podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Cyber isn't one thing, cyber is everything. It cuts across every industry, connecting everybody. It's the same way Dakota State University isn't just a university. With our Cyber 27 initiative, DSU has a stronger, more secure future. We're adding more faculty and welcoming more students, building labs, adding degrees, conducting game-changing research. We need partners to work with us and put our graduates to work for them. Visit dsucyber27.com to learn more. Welcome to the Podry Plan Podcast. Hey. Hey. It's pod 398. Oh, getting probably organized something for 400 at some point. Um, I'm Jim Daly. Uh, Kevin Day is with me. It's an international break special. Uh, Kevin Day, hello to you. We're going to talk in part one, of course, about the marathon march. My first question to you is how are you feeling today on Tuesday? I'm feeling surprisingly bratty. Ratty, <laughs> I'm all right actually. I've, I've got. Um, you'll explain that reference. Well, yeah, that needs explaining. Yeah, well, we were just um, seven thirty in the morning. We were all waiting for the pep talk, which we always get told off in because we sit in the back giggling while it's happening because the bloke tells us how to cross roads at traffic lights, things that are important things like that. But we were just discussing how professional and grown up Crystal Palace Football Club had been when they tried to show a message from the manager on the big screen that didn't work. <laughs> you could see him but you couldn't hear him but um, eventually we got sent it and basically Patrick Vieira's message was taking the piss out of Bratty for a whole minute saying I don't want to think that Bratty will get us the whole way around you know don't let me down Bratty no, don't let me down Bratty <laughs> obviously much more funny on the day than it is now clearly. <laughs> well I'm, I'll drop That's, it in I'll drop it in in a minute yeah. and people can listen it was a, a nice message yeah it was a lovely it was, it was a really nice message from Patrick Vieira actually and it shows that I, I think he's not acting I think he gets this club. Good morning, Saturday, 7.30. You guys are ready up and ready to go. I just want to uh, wish you good luck. At the same time, to uh, congratulate you all for being there and supporting our community. Um, 26 miles is going to be a long way, uh, but I'm sure that uh, you're all going to complete uh, the marathon. I'm not sure about Brighty, so... I want you guys to be sure that he will be at the end. Brighty, don't disappoint me, please. I genuinely think I, yeah. he gets this club, and I think he understands what's what's happening, and I think he understands the culture of it. And it's because of the culture of this club that I I just thank my lucky. Halfway around that march, I just thank my lucky stars. I'm a Palace fan because I don't care what any other fans think. We're a special club, a special community, and special fans. And it was a it was a joy to have. My little toe looks like it's been in a fight with Tyson Fury, to be honest, but the rest of me is all right. I have to say my favourite bit was when Chris Grierson's dog licked my feet for five minutes, which was lovely. At Not as time. weird as it sounds. No, I, I would pay that dog to do it again. It's the most <laughs> badly named dog in the world. It's called Zeus. <laughs> you expect a, some kind of mastiff coming around the corner, not this floppy little 
It's like a Chris, Chris, it's a Chris Grierson version of a dog, basically. It's this, <laughs> this harmless vegan little dog coming and walking around. That's just why he's licking my toes. It's the first meat that poor little animal's been allowed near. The dog, but he took out the dog. The dog, Chris sorry, yeah. Point, to clarify that. Although um, at that stage, I would have paid Chris to lick my toes at that stage, to be perfectly honest. Uh, listen, we do have a few questions and some thank yous to do for the Marathon March, but uh, let's introduce our other guests. Speaking of culture, as you were there, Kevin, uh, John Curran is here, so that's good timing. Hey. Hello to you, JC. <laughs> How are you doing? Hey, JD. Fine. It's great to be back on. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm the Martin Kelly of the podcast. <laughs> you mean one of our favourite squad members. and uh, <laughs> Vastly underrated and appreciated, but loved by the FYP family. Um, good to have you on. And um, also someone who is maybe feeling worse for wear, but for other reasons for this weekend, uh, it's Joe Walker. Uh, Joe, how are you? And uh, tell us what you're up to this weekend. It wasn't quite Marathon March, but it wasn't far off, was it? It wasn't quite marathon, but it did equally knock me out for the the following day. I, I, I've, got, I've got friends who are DJs from I've come up with on radio, and they're now hitting that point where they're going to headline super clubs and play these rooms or put on their own nights. And I've always said from when I was younger, oh, I'll always show support, but you know you kind of forget how these things work after a while. So I said, oh, I'll make an appearance. What time is it? Oh, doors are open at midnight, and uh, I'm on at four o'clock. And it's like, ah, oh, right, okay, so. I've just, yeah, I've tried to not be, I've tried to not kill the vibe. You know, I'm sort of dead on my feet, but I'm just standing by a wall, letting everyone else enjoy themselves <laughs> without getting in the way, letting fabric be fabric. And then, yeah, so Saturday was a bit of a write-off, but uh, no, I'm okay other than that. I still imagine better than you guys were doing. That's quite a quite a Herculean effort on the weekend. Well done. Well, thank you very much. It was, um, I mean... Kevin, about 150 people, I think, did it this year. 150 or 60, maybe, I think. That's um, 145, I think it was, altogether. 145. Yes. And uh, you, you managed to speak to most of the females on the march. You are catnip to women of a certain no, age. You're just surrounded by them. That, that, I'm going to run that by Andy Street, because that feels like libel. And I'm uh, pretty sure I can see well, how that. Is it, how is it, well, how is it, slander for a start, but how is saying that you're attractive to women insulting in any way shape or form <laughs> but judging by the look on your face you're not insulted you look very quite true. you're running your fingers through your hair as we speak i'm not doing that it's also a libel because it's been documented kevin so oh i see okay past but, one of my media law exams uh just not the other one or the other did you three. did you go to college um, <laughs> well yeah some would some would dispute that um shall we do some thank yous then kevin because it's it was it was a fantastic day at the weekend um as you say 145 people doing it just had an email actually from the the foundation. They've raised ninety thousand pounds already. They're not far oh, off a yeah. hundred thousand pounds, which would be absolutely amazing. Now at FYP, we set ourselves a target of three thousand uh, pounds. As last year's total was two thousand eight hundred, we thought it'd be lovely if we can get to three thousand pounds. As we record this podcast, we're currently on eleven thousand nine hundred and thirty-eight pounds, which is absolutely mind-blowing and humbling Fantastic. and overwhelming Lovely. at the same time. Now, that does include an incredible donation from John Texter, Palace's new coroner, for about £7,000, $10,000. But even without that, we'd be knocking on the door of £5,000, which, which would be far and away our best ever total. And that is down to the generosity of our listeners and Palace fans in general. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been it's been mind-blowing. And checking along the way, getting these updates from Just Giving every few minutes that someone had donated, every single amount they donated gave us a little boost, didn't it, on, on the way? It was more than every few minutes. It's astonishing. You have to forget we're coming out of a global financial crisis. Uh, you know, South London is an area that's particularly economically badly hit at any time. And for us to you know, to raise over £4,000 from, from fans is 
is absolutely brilliant. And most of it's in tens and twenties, and that is brilliant. But as it just keeps coming in, and like you say, it just gives you a little boost for a hundred yards, and they're coming in with messages. And so much of it is raised on the day. I think they enjoy seeing us hurt. <laughs> it was, but then the John Texter one came in accidentally nearly killing you because you stopped in the middle of the road and when you saw it it was a residential got... road thankfully there was no, there was no cars, yeah, yeah, at, the mo- at the moment it was well that's the other thing I do because you and Street you were on your phone so much of it I was just having to guide you around estate agent signs and low hanging branches because one of you would have got knocked out would you like to know really quickly an admission I didn't tell anybody on the walk at the time but because I was on my phone so much mostly doing updates on Twitter and checking yeah. the just giving and stuff I did step in dog poo about halfway around the walk <laughs> And when you guys went to get water from a shop, I had to discreetly try and pour it on my shoe to get rid of it. But um, so, in the end, I had to wash it off when I got the, home. So that was very so, 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 Jim, there's you walking and stepping in dog shit, and there's Kevin walking and having his toes licked by a dog. Yeah. It kind of... Um... <laughs> I don't think it was the same dog. <laughs> I hope not, or else I know who's play. If the dog, if it was dog vomit, you'd, you'd know that the dog had thrown up after licking. But the, te- the John Texter thing is great. I mean... Look, we all know, John Caron will know this, John Texter's a very wealthy man, so $10,000 to him is probably the equivalent of a tenner to the to the rest of us. But Or, or we were speculating that maybe he'd sacked his PA because he meant $10. <laughs> he accidentally did 10000 But what was, I thought what was more interesting, and it's, it's pertinent in the light of what we're talking about later on with another of our American owners, was the message he sent with it. And he, he talked in his message about one of the reasons... He, he was growing to love Palace was that he was growing to know about the culture of the club and his, you know, and, and how different it is in the States. So that the message was almost as important. It doesn't matter who he gives the money to because it's all going to the foundation, but the message he sent with it was, I think, just as important because it's, it's, it's nice to know that they're at least paying lip service to the idea that they're not just investing in a, in a business, that they actually know the nature of of this football club that was that was encouraging but also it was that was quite exciting that <laughs> it was yeah. yeah um jc i mean i think we're we're lucky as palace fans in general aren't we i think they're a very supportive bunch anyway and you can see that from the donations that people have made but and obviously i try we try not to focus too much on the john texter donation as well because we want to make sure that people are aware that we appreciate every single penny yep. that people have given us not just you know this this big donation but um yeah it's 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 a nice nod i guess from our new co-owner to the things that are important for palace which is obviously the foundation that works in the community and helps local people especially during the last 18 months so it was um yeah it was definitely well well received mm. and thankful the other, the other problem joe and john as well and this is the reason why, John, your reason may have been burning, because we were talking through a couple of your stories and how much we've enjoyed them. But uh, the other problem is this is the the first time we've done the Marathon March, we've had nothing to complain about, football-wise. <laughs> it's because normally we get halfway around on the adrenaline of moaning about the fucking shit we're putting up with. But now we have 10 minutes at the start of, it's all right, isn't it? It's great. Conor Gallagher is brilliant. And then we actually had to talk about feelings and emotions. And <laughs> and, oh, no. it's, it's exactly, Joe. It's really hard work. But that was a... Because, again, it, that, it's another indication of the progress we are making as a, as a, as a team. In that we've, yeah, we've 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 suddenly, you know, we haven't got as many points as we want, but we're suddenly playing a completely different style of football. We were talking about the way people like Jermaine Jenis and uh, are talking about us, and other and, and Carragher, the way they're talking about us, and our they're not just talking about the atmosphere anymore; they're talking about the way we play football. So that was a, that, that was great. So there was a real optimistic feel about the whole the whole thing. Basically, I wouldn't, you know, 
And what Joe should have done is a 26-mile walk and then gone to fabric for the whole night. <laughs> yeah, or, the, or the other way around, gone to fabric and then just come straight onto the wall. That would have been... <laughs> yeah. They, they have Tyson so- Fury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Well, you they know, have the sofas irony... in fabric. You can fall. You can exactly. actually fall asleep there if you. If well, you the irony is, way. out of all of us, the one with most energy is John Curran. He's the one. The anthropologist is the one with the most energy in this relationship. <laughs> uh, Jason, you were going to say something a minute ago. Yeah, I, I think it's also um, fitting, and this is slightly kind of um, me running on another yarn, but slightly fitting when this march happened. It was a day or two after the most vulgar, grotesque ever football buyout. Yeah, of a football club that I I hope I never see again in my life, and um, to think that you know we're a club that never moaned saying we should be better than we are, mm. and a club that values values community as we do, and we've always had that as our kind of South London proud, but you know school of hard knocks mentality. So that was also pleasing to see that the humans at the centre. Do you know we were talking about that, John, on the march? The sheer sophistry of this argument that the Newcastle haven't been taken over by the Saudi government. They've been taken over by an investment company, which is entirely run by the Saudi government. The, you know, the people involved. And it's like none of us begrudge the fans of another club an adventure. But in five years' time, all those fans that have been moaning about Ashley will be moaning about the fact they've been priced out of Newcastle United Football Club. Because that's what will happen. That's the cost of getting into the Champions League. It's not just the investment for the owners, but they're, you know, whatever they're calling them now, legacy fans. In five years' time, Newcastle United might be in the Champions League, but half of those people, those Newcastle fans who are going now, won't be able to go. Mm-hmm. Simply won't be able to afford it. It's as simple as that. And, you know, there will be some economic benefit to the to the local area, but not most of it isn't going into the hands of small printers or small shops. Yeah. It's, you know, and these people are investing for a reason, and eventually they'll take the money out and go somewhere else. And it's, it's this argument that it's not Saudi Arabia that's taking them over. Is, 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 and of course, yeah, let's face it, there are other clubs in the Premier League who can't occupy the moral high ground because of, you know, it's, it's grotesque for Man City fans to be complaining about this. And it's, But the only upside is anything that gets Man United, Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea moaning is fine by me. <laughs> it really is fine by me. You know, and it's like we, I think we all agreed at the moment, Palace are managing the balancing act quite well in that they're getting investment in, but they're not leaving us behind in a way In a way that Newcastle will inevitably leave. You talk to Man City fans now, any Man City fan over the age of 40, I guarantee you, if you ask them what their favourite game was, they will say the game at Wembley when they were 2-0 down to Gillingham with a minute to go. They all say that. They don't say, oh, it was a Champions League away or a Champions League final. It's that game. And they're, and they're the fans that are left behind by this exciting new project. And it's 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 annoying for us. It's annoying for Brighton fans, Southampton fans, Burnley fans, because another club's being taken out of our division. You know, Newcastle are traditionally a club. You think, well, we can finish above them. We can get points off them. And... It, it, it may not happen this season, but the next season they won't be struggling. My only, it's not a hope because I don't wish ill on any fans. Is they've got they've still got twelve weeks to the transfer window. It's going to be interesting to see what how the players react because most of those players will know in their heart of hearts that they're off. Yeah, they haven't. The, the Saudis haven't invested in in long staff and and Shelby. They you know they won't be there next season. So whether they respond to that, but I said right, let's see if I can stay in the squad. Or whether they just go, sod it, I'm, you know, I'll put, I'll, I'll 
play for 90 minutes, but I ain't going to get hurt. It's going to be really interesting because Steve Bruce knows his heart of hearts. He's not going to be manager. No. Well, he well, may not be manager well, now, Joe, I think. I think he, we, we've, we've got them next weekend, I believe. And yeah, there's, every, yeah. there's, a, there's every chance that could be, I don't know, Lucien Favre's first game, wouldn't it be? Yeah. There would be, would be, yeah. It'd be really interesting to see what happens. Um, let, let's let's wrap up part one by talking about the. We do have questions actually about the Newcastle thing, and maybe we can come to them in part two because I, I, I can imagine it'd be pretty much condemnation all round. I'd imagine. Um, but that's well, interesting. On, JJ, let, let's let's not forget though, JD. Remember, fifteen twenty years ago, there was talk of the Gaddafi family buying into Palace, and there were plenty of Palace fans who said, "I don't care where that money comes from." It gets us into the, the the European Cup as it was then or whatever. Then you know there are there are Palace fans who would, who would say I I wouldn't be. Oh, you can, you can't you can't have a go at Colonel Gaddafi and his family. Well, sure, come on. Well, it was you know they they were just as it happens they were just keeping the country together, weren't they? <laughs> it's just, it turned out. But yeah, there will be Palace fans who. But the trouble is as well the, the Palace fans have benefited from a takeover like Newcastle. Will be Palace fans that aren't Palace fans yet. That's what's going to happen in Newcastle. It's going to be people who have never been to a football match before in the North East who will go, well, we have to get a box for this. We've got to be part of this. We, our, our company's got to be sponsoring this. And that's, that's what it will, it will change the experience. I can't remember when that Gaddafi thing was, but I feel like Palace were struggling in the championship at the time. I mean, probably, probably were, let's face it. We it, were for most it was, it was, it was the, it was, we just got promoted. We just won the playoff yeah. final. And I think Jordan had, Jordan had intimated that he was looking to sell up now that he'd kind of, Achieved his five-year plan. Five year, <laughs> hey, so. ding, 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 ding. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, obviously, Joe, we're in a, the club's in a much better state now. And I guess as well, when you do compare it to the sort of things that are going on at Newcastle and when you bring in things like the, the foundation and the march and stuff, then there's quite a lot to be proud of, isn't it, at, at Palace really at the moment? Not just on the pitch, but off it as well, particularly look at the work the foundation is doing and then the generosity of Palace fans to support us and other walkers this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely something to really melt. You know, we've we've quite been quite moody over the last couple of years as fans, but stuff like this does really help to remind you of what it's all about and well, what you know. Just remembers why it's a club. The, the your football club is more about what just happens on the pitch. It's all about that Saturday, the match they experience sometimes, or just connecting with people you wouldn't otherwise do every couple of weeks. And as I'm sure we'll get to with the. Uh, the interview uh, with Josh Harris and also to some of the things that you say, if it's along with John Texas message, along with Patrick Vieira's message, what some of the players have been doing during the last 18 months as a example, they know it matters. And I think it's not even something they can ignore. They feel like they have to really, if they really want to be a part of this club and, and get what palace is about, they have to toe that line as well. And, and really, I think, well, I think in fact, it's, beyond that i think they actually are quite seduced by that idea and yeah. quite uh like the appeal of that and um which is given the context of this last week or so with other clubs and takeovers reassuring is actually you know some of our investors we've they've had criticism before of being a bit quiet and um i think we've seen in hindsight that perhaps you know we, we've actually got it pretty good by comparison well also we at the route took us past the the new academy Mm-hmm. which three years ago was a, a security hut uh, with a, a bemused security guard trying to fight off toddlers who were looking for the soft ball play area and is now state-of-the-art. I mean, it's just an amazing facility. So you know, we, 
we're we're heading in the right direction and we're managing to do it with sensible investment. Uh, hopefully, we don't discover that any of these are secret tyrants with a lair and the volcano. But you know, <laughs> but it's, it's, John, it's interesting, John. Yeah, I mean, from an, from your point of view, from from the, the way you look at the world, uh, from an anthropologist's point of view, it's it's really interesting because Newcastle fans will be in a dilemma. A lot of them will be in a dilemma. Uh, yeah, a lot. There'll be a lot of gay Newcastle fans will be wondering how they should react to this. There'll be a lot. There'll be also. So, but at the same time, they're being tempted by this huge financial adventure. So it's it's it's, it's an interesting one because you know what this does, and it just shows the tribalism of football. Hmm. You know, and how it's very easy for all of us to make justifications. And you, you mentioned the LGBTQ plus situation, and you know. I feel sorry for the guy who heads it up at Newcastle, but his statement was appalling. Mm. You know, it was, it was, it was, you know, shocking. And I know Steph at Palace has, you know, been, you know, concerned about that and also the, the, the centralized group, but it, it, it's actually a, a cultural manifestation of how easy it is to become very tribal, to be able to have blinkers on as we all do. I think in football, you know, it's the most irrational sport if not area of culture in the world is football right you know so it's so that that that's the main thing is how 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 are we able to stand back and take blinkers or i mean ironically manchester united fans did it when some of them did it when the the uh glazers came in right you know so but so but quickly just back to the the march which i didn't do and i haven't done and i must do it my only gripe is the funding the, the mm-hmm. way you donate. So people like, you know, Mark Silverstein and and, and Steph I've, I've mentioned, I can't, I want to be able to give money to everyone doing it. But if there was another way of doing it where I didn't feel guilty. So I, I funded you the five-year plan primarily as a means of just getting on the podcast again. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it works. <laughs> and it works. Well, it works so well. well you know, quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but it, I, I, well, so the likes of Mark and Steph, it's, you know, it, the money's going central, I guess. That's, that's exactly. It's going it's to the central going pop. The same place. And, and Palace Life, I know, are, are really, really appreciative. Let me make sure that I thank the right people. I want to thank Mike and Bobby, who came on last week from the foundation, obviously. Tash and Gary and everyone at the foundation, who are just absolutely brilliant. I thought the route was great this year, Kevin. Um, we've had a few questions about that, actually. Uh, Crispin Chapel. Hi, Crispin. Says, turns out when you reverse the route with hills, there are still hills. Yes, there were a few. Anyone <laughs> well, uh, feet? The, the, the bastard who put... The, the last two mile up Sintra Hill, and then the, the, you know, first of all, that's the hill outside Crystal Palace, and then up Sintra Hill, and then tried to take us uphill through the park. Which luckily we all knew a shortcut because the street is map reading was so shit, we'd already done 28 miles, <laughs> so we decided to do that. But, um, yeah, the route was better than last year, I thought. The the, the refreshments, but he, he's quite right, you can't get rid of the hills eventually. But the trouble is, we all know a route that doesn't take us uphill. Well, yeah, yeah. we're all too South London. He, he had he had anyone's feet, knees, and hips telling them telling them that still. There we go, another great day he's put. Um, one, one final question then. Um, and I want to make sure that we have to thank everyone. We obviously thank all people that donated. We really, really appreciate it. And everyone that did the march as well. Andrew Stewart. Hi, Andrew. Who's Andrew. one of our patrons who I met uh, on the walk on Saturday. If you could pick any of the current squad to walk the whole of next year's marathon march with you, who would it be and why? Kevin? Uh, we, we noticed you. That was another source of conversation. That every now and again, you disappear and go, oh, he's talking to a patron, isn't he? 
they were kept away from Bad the rest people. of us. The, the, the legacy pod people were kept away from the patrons. <laughs> Every now and again, somebody would sidle up to JD, <laughs> offer him a fiver for a private chat, like some lap dancer. It was again, tawdry. that's libelous, and I would use that. It was tawdry. <laughs> um, do you know, that's a really good question. I... I I'd probably Joel. I don't know Joel Ward actually. It, it strikes me as somebody who would be interesting coming. I'd really like to do it with JC. To be perfectly honest, because the, the, the hours would fly by with JC's stories and <laughs> like, But but no, I don't, that's, a, that's a really that's a, actually it's a good question. Um, yeah, yeah, I think Wardy's a good shout. Conor Gallagher seems like he'd be quite fun company. I think. Uh, Conor Gallagher. Nine hours. Not, I would say Conor Gallagher would be fun company for about twenty-five minutes, and then after <laughs> that, would be like, but "Shut, please, stop, stop it, will it?" I go for Martin Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, he's a real big environmentalist. He is. So you know, hippie, yeah, he is. yeah, so hippie, yeah, yeah. Well, do, well, that's, do you know that's interesting? We should get him on because I think that's the next big thing in football is going to be sustainability. Yeah. It's it's something that's just. Uh, gambling in football is something at the moment that's occupying a lot of people's minds but people are just starting to think about how football needs to lower its carbon footprint you know the, the amount of you know not 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 flying to domestic away games for example using collecting rainwater to irrigate pitches there's all sorts of ways that, all sorts of ways football could make itself and this comes out there's a study recently that said in if the climate if the temperatures keep rising as they are that in uh 19 years' time, 42 football league grounds will be underwater. Blimey. Basically. And that's, if you think that's, that's, if you remember Gaza crying, that's less time from then till now than than 45 grounds being underwater. Wow. Uh, luckily, one of them would be Brighton's. So that is, <laughs> there's, a, there's a silver, there's a silver lining to every cloud. But it's, I think that that's, I think that's going to be the next big thing. And the Agreed. FA will yeah. still, the Premiership will still get the players to take the knee because they've yeah. done fun. <laughs> <laughs> about racism so yeah yeah but they'll be taking the knee on a soggy yeah. pitch <laughs> right well anyway listen yeah. massive thank yous to everybody from the foundation to the our supporters and to other people that, that took part of the weekend we really appreciate it we are still accepting donations if you'd like to and we're very close to twelve thousand pounds so you can donate at justgiving.com slash fundraising slash fyp marathon march 2021 uh i don't know how long it's going to stay open for but if you'd like to support us please do because i know the foundation would love it we can get the foundation over a hundred thousand overall that would be absolutely amazing um anyway let's take a quick break and when we come back questions When it came to interviewing and appointing a candidate for the top job this summer, Palace got it spot on. And so can you with LinkedIn Jobs. Today, many small business owners are busier than ever. Time spent searching for and interviewing candidates can take time away from managing and growing a business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to get to the candidates worth interviewing faster and free. Uh, JC, you're aware of LinkedIn Jobs, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn as a consultant all the time because that's almost like where my... Uh, where my network is and it, it is becoming more and more powerful as a tool to to find either candidates for employment or, or freelance but also if you are like me or you're working for a company it's, it's a great way to kind of put yourself out there the algorithm eats you up in a positive way and your network who already know you get to know you even better and it really puts you you know on a kind of different step for thinking about jobs and then it also will give you um feed you jobs as well comparing to your match so it's it's powerful tool 
Absolutely right. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond of the world's largest professional network with over 30 million people in the UK. Focus on candidates with the skills and experience you need. A bit like Palace trying to find midfielders younger than 45. Use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified people. Then use simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates worth interviewing faster. And you can post a job for free. Just visit linkedin.com slash FYP. Again, that's linkedin.com slash FYP to post a job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, welcome back to the Fiverr Fan Podcast. Hey! Pod 398 International Break Special. I didn't do a shout out for a patron in part one, which is terrible on my part. So can I get a free, a free? Can I get a, just a drum roll? It is free, but can I get a drum roll, please? It's Mr. James Gross. Hey, James. Hey. Hello, James. You can join our Patreon like James and get all the rewards that entails, like post-match podcasts, patron-only merchandise, and access the patron-only WhatsApp club at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash FYP podcast. Did you have your hand up there, Kevin? No. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to make a disparaging comment about the patrons. Um, no, no. I, I might have been uh, putting my hand up to apply to become one. You never know. You, you, we will talk about that off air. I'll, mm. I'll do you a, a lovely discount. Um, tickets to our live <laughs> <A> pod. discount? <laughs> I've been doing this pod for nothing for 15 years. I get a discount. Holy mother. You've earned it. You've earned it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tickets to our live podcast on Thursday, the 11th of November. The I'm performing at that. I don't need a fucking ticket for that. I'll give you a discount for that as well. Don't worry. <laughs> and I'll sort you out. Um, tickets for our live podcast with a mystery palace legend uh, as a guest are still available. There's literally about 15, 16 left. So be quick if you want to uh, get in before we sell out. 7.30 p.m. Stratum Space Project. Um, get your tickets at eventbrite.co.uk and just search FYP Podcast Live. JD, um, JD, we discussed this on the march on Saturday. Yeah. That's four weeks running. You said there's literally only 15 tickets left. No, I said 20 you, last week. It was 30 the week before. Was, it was 30 the week before. It was 30 <laughs> And I could send you proof if you would like it. Um, no, they are selling fast. So, and they, we did sell out last year as well. So if you are interested, please do get a ticket ASAP. Is it Martin Kelly? <laughs> it is an not... hour's presentation on uh, climate change um, not, he's not that far off the truth no <laughs> Kevin let's yeah well it's not Ian Wright let's put it that way it's not righty no but who knows one day maybe anyway um Let's crack on with some questions uh, from our listeners. Um, we had quite a few questions about Newcastle. I feel like we've covered that in part one, although it may well be something we talk about in future pods. Who knows? Um, here's a question from Joseph Podsiadley. Hi, Joseph. Hi, Joseph. He says, firstly, congratulations on raising a fantastic amount. Thank you very much. Wonderful effort from everyone involved. Absolutely. Secondly, as it's International Week, it's great to have a full senior internationals in the first team. But how beneficial do you think it is for our academy players to see the likes of Gwehi, Gallagher and Eze turning out for England under-23s? Kevin, that's a nice point there from Joseph. You'd imagine it can only be uh, aspirational for them to see players... Uh, from a similar background to them, in particular South London, getting into the, the full England team, without a doubt. And there's always a difficult situation, as JT will, will know. It's, you, you've got a lot of players in our academy who could who could choose other countries to play for, but will want, I imagine, most of them will want to represent England, which is very, very difficult to do, to, to see young players that they see every day getting into the England squad. 
is is fantastic. It's just the, the only worry is, as kind of happened with, with with Wilf when he was sort of overlooked as a as a youngster. As if you're playing for Palace, and it should change now. We've got a Category One academy, but you know England managers essentially choose their pool of talent from a limited number of clubs. It's getting better. It's not like the old days when if you didn't play for Liverpool, man, you, you virtually weren't going to get in the England team. But you, you still think, even with Gareth Southgate, you still think he's not really particularly looking at Palace players. It doesn't occur to them. It's just a club that will provide England with... Um, but we, we will win, and we will do in, in, in future. So it's got to be good for them to see to see them getting in, in those under-21 teams. Yeah, I think, Joe, as well, it's, it's good for them to see that if you're playing for a team like Palace, then... You know, as Kevin says, hopefully you do get recognition at the at, at the highest level. And hopefully, do you think that is changing the the call ups do go down more to form than reputation? I mean, it, the Southgate's been quite interesting with his decision making. Even I think even in his most recent press conference ahead of tonight's game, um, he said, "I commit a crime every time mm. I pick a team," and I think he's aware that he. Um, is it his, he's inconsistent with his reasoning. What he'll say in one press conference for a player's exclusion doesn't apply to Harry Kane in the same equally. Mm. So I get that. I think I think we have reason to be encouraged nonetheless. I think you have to remember Eze was effectively meant to be in that larger pre-Euro squad that to be tested out. And I think that's one to keep an eye on, by the way, because I'm I've been tracked I follow a lot of people who um who are you say African diaspora in the UK and and Nigeria in particular are are really stepping up this program of trying to get in British Nigerian diaspora second generation kids who maybe are on the peripheries of the England squad but they can get a get sort of a guaranteed starters for Nigeria and Eze is absolutely one of those that's been earmarked and I think has been put to him before so whether England sometimes when when that becomes a bit more public and apparent England seem to kind of get in there pretty quickly and nail some players down. They did it with Sterling. They did it with Zahar, funnily enough. All that didn't, still didn't work out. Uh, Carl Jenkinson, I remember getting a cap quite young in mm. order to keep him from Finland or somewhere, I think it was. Um, so that's what that interesting one to keep an eye on. Um, beyond that, I made a very unwise bet or just very hopeful bet. I gay to make the Qatar 2022 squad. I've Whoa. 16 to one with one particular bookmaker. So, uh, I've I've went in with that um, because I think England's as as much as they I was proud of them in the Euros I think they were that was the area of the pitch where someone was most likely to come in and maybe take a place of somebody in the squad because I mean Connor Cody gets in the current England squad mm. who's pretty good in the back three in the back four I'm not so convinced and I think Gay could quite easily on this form that he's currently on maybe this round the fixtures came a bit too soon but I think he's someone that is very likely to at least get a cap in the senior side you're talking about the under 21 captain as well by the way so to to make that step up in uh, if he if continues to impress this season um Gallagher I think is in a very competitive area of the pitch so who knows maybe he has to go back to Chelsea to prove himself quote unquote um Mitchell I still hold out hope because we're playing right backs at left back sometimes. And, you know, I don't want to rule that out. And I think one of those getting that call up, I think would be so um, energizing for, for players a couple of years younger who are at the club. Um, Raksaki's in the, the England setup now, I think under 20 level, which is above his age group. Um, stuff like that. Yeah. That, that's, that's if, if it can happen here, 
then there's no reason why you need to have that agent twisting your arm and saying, you know, you're gonna have to go over there to really make that next step up. And that's, that's, if it can happen here, I believe it can, uh, then, then that's, that allows us to build on, you know, bringing in the next generation and keep convincing people to stick around a bit longer and not go to another Academy, not go to somewhere else to kick on their career. I think Gallagher's the one who's got the most chance of getting there. Cause I think Gay is too good a footballer for Southgate. <laughs> Basically, and we saw that with the, the irony is that the, the better, more creative player we turn out, the less chance they've got of getting in Southgate's squad. You saw that. How he, did, he didn't want to play Grealish in the Euros. I don't think he wants to play Grealish now, but Gallagher, who's all action and will win the ball all over the pitch, is far more like his play. It's, Southgate doesn't like football in centre-backs. He doesn't want his centre-backs to play football, I think. He wants them to defend. He wants, you know, he loves Maguire because Maguire, great, he can get his head on the ball, the ball on his feet. He's not in a national level centre-back. Stones is a decent footballer, but Southgate won't pick him as a first choice, I don't think. So I, I, I think Mitchell, for me, is the one who should be in the squad now. I think, like you say, we're short of left-backs. And Mitchell, you see Mitchell's stats, his, his defensive stats are brilliant, but also, you know, his crossing is fantastic. He gets forward really well. I mean, it's him. That's, that's the exciting thing about the first goal against Leicester as a teenager crossing the ball for a, for a teenager. But again, Southgate, I don't think Southgate will blood youngsters. You know, he, he wants players 24, 25. He's, he's essentially conservative in his nature, Gareth Southgate, I think, and probably in his politics by the look of him. I don't know. But he's got the alpha yeah. after cut. Um, <laughs> I'm just speculating. He looks like, look, yeah. hang on, just by, look, just by looking at him, who do you think he's, I'm sure JC would agree with me. JC's at, share some of the same illogical opinions I have based on just looks alone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm looking at you. (laughs) Going back to the original question, um, (laughs) I think, I I think Joe picked up on this, but now we're category a or category one uh, set up. And if you're bringing your kid through and you're a parent and it's maybe pre agent time, you're going to be expecting that now, you know, that it's going to, it's going to really help the club that they've, we've got two or three players playing under 23s that, that we've got the captain of England under 23s, you know, and that's going to, I think this raise level because then you can start imagining, well, look, there's, that's where well, my son's going to be training with or in that environment. So it's, it's, it's up the ante a bit. It, it, it helps promote the club from the kind of the youth system up really. Mm. And we are JC, we are overdue a, uh, an England full cap at Palace, aren't we? It's, it's, we feel like we've been close, haven't we, a few times? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't give a toss about England. I support Ireland. I'm more interested in the Irish youth at Palace. Who was our last England full in, England international? I believe it was Townsend, a uh, very early was into it? signing him. Yeah. Because uh, Wamba was it Man U before he got in England, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, oh, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, we just signed him and it was that Pardew... I, I seem to remember he had a barnstorming game. We, we beat Stoke at home about yeah. by three or four. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He got a call up off the back of that, but not 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 anyone since, no. no. I remember as a kid when, when Paddy Mulligan got in the Ireland team. That was really exciting. <laughs> I mean, he's our first international for a long, long time. It's not, not an actual international on the pitch. Uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't think Henry Houghton did, or Henry Hughes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you want to say, JC, actually, if we're talking about the Ireland national team at the moment, that'd be a very different conversation, unfortunately. They are struggling at the moment. I know, I know. Not doing very well. Um, we've got another question here about Gallagher. 
Um, I might make this the last question before we, we do have to do an athletic article in a minute. Um, quite a few people asking about Gallagher. Obviously, he's very popular. Um, Simon Robinson, 87. Hi, Simon. Hi, Simon. Says, a lot of noise around Newcastle wanting Gallagher in January slash the summer. Do you know if Chelsea have a recall clause? And if so, can you envisage a scenario where they recall him in January to sell him for Newcastle? Whereas Nelson Cade, 58, has said, do you think we should spend big to secure the signing of Conor Gallagher? Kevin, I saw these rumours and they were saying about 14 million for Newcastle to get him. Maybe double that, if not more, surely. I I, I don't know the ins and outs of of Conor Gallagher's contract. I'd be amazed if we haven't got him for the whole season. Hmm. Um, you, You pay a loan fee. People think that loan players come for nothing. They don't. You pay a fee to loan a player like Conor Gallagher and obviously we'll be paying his wages. I'd be, I'd be amazed if Chelsea were to do that. And I, I can't see any reason why Conor Gallagher would want to do that. To be perfectly honest, he's, he's catching the eye as a Palace player. He's not going to get any more attention from Gareth Southgate by going to Newcastle. I mean, obviously it's a, it's a different uh, ball game when his loan period ends but I, even if there was a, a, a recall clause which I shouldn't think there is I don't think Chelsea would do it I don't think it would look politically very good we've got we're a club they have a good relationship with we tend to have a Chelsea player per season they need to keep relations good I mean they, their, their model is loaning out the 44 45 kids that they've got so I'd I'd, I'd be surprised whenever a, a club is taken over by billionaires People assume that they will be able to buy their way into anything, and it's like I'm not ruling out, but I'd be I'd be very surprised because I, I imagine we're a clever enough club now to make sure that we've got him for the whole for the whole season. I mean, also you'd assume that Newcastle will sign so many mad players in the next window that there's no guarantee you go there and 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 you know play. I, I, I'm going to be really interested to see what they do in the window, mm, to be honest, because yeah. I I think that, I I think for all. Um, Mike Ashley's conspiracy theories about the Premier League and the government not step, not wanting them to to buy a Newcastle. I don't think they wanted to buy a club that aren't guaranteed to stay up. To be perfectly honest, I think that was a, I think that was a simple reason. And then people people say, well, why didn't they buy it in the summer when they did stay up? Because then they would have had to pay four hundred million quid to get enough talent to to guarantee staying up. I think they'll they'll look at where they are. If they're comfortably mid-table by Christmas, I don't think they'll spend a lot of money bringing people in. I think they'll wait till the summer and then have the massive PR thing. The kit will get changed. They'll do some stuff to the stadium, which is the most underinvested stadium in the Premier League by a country mile. He's, he's put no money into that stadium at all, almost literally no money into that stadium. So I, I don't think they'll go completely bonkers in this transfer window. Because also it doesn't, it's, you know, if they were to bring in four, you know, if they bring in Lionel Messi and whatever and everyone gets excited, still don't guarantee him staying up if they're 17th. It but, would create a real issue for my fantasy you know. team as well, unfortunately. Um, yeah. let's, um, here's a question, Joe, from uh, Crumply Addo. Crumbly. One of our regulars. Discussion point. What's the post-Gallagher contingency plan? Short of a ridiculous fee, he'll inevitably return to Chelsea and warm their bench till the end of time. This stinks of when we fell in love with Ruben Loftus-Cheek and then spent mm. the next four seasons lamenting how much we missed him in the middle. Mm. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I honestly don't really... I don't know if there's... I haven't been following the youngsters uh, religiously enough to know if there's a ready-made youngster that's going to step in themselves in the next couple of years. There's no one that's stood out in that position. I guess that would probably be 
our kind of focus target signing then in the next, well, let's say next summer rather than January, a a player in that mould again? Because despite bringing in a Will Hughes and, uh, and other midfielders, I don't think that's in view to replace Gallagher when he goes on his way. I think that's just to be bulking up the squad. So uh, I haven't seen us linked with anybody. This still, I guess it's so early to be seeing any kind of uh, real manifestation of who we'd be looking at post Gallagher. If that is who, if we don't end up getting him weird, although weirdly going back to the, the last question, I think a lot of worried palace fans have been imagining these scenarios of these, this Newcastle trolley dash where, you know, clubs that tend to get that new investment, they overpay for players that aren't actually they're either on their way down or uh, clubs around them. And I think a lot of people are worried that, oh, is this the, are Newcastle going to be the, going to be the club that pays 70 million for Wilf? Are they going to be the, the club that throw money at Eze out of nowhere that turns his head? I, I think that might be a little unfounded, but of course that's easy to say now. I'd be interested to see if JC agrees with me on this, but never mind, uh, uh, a Conor Gallagher replacement plan. We need a Macca replacement plan. Mm-hmm. Essentially, who's who this season, and I owe him a huge apology. I thought he'd be on his way out, and I wouldn't have minded that much. Just Excellent. at the moment, one of the best mm. Premier League. I mean, uh, Jermaine Jenis did a, his whole profile package after the Leicester game was about MacArthur being the ideal Premier League footballer. And I, where where that's come from, I don't know whether it's his own attitude or, or coaching, but wow, he's, he's a, he's a yeah. brilliant. Well, Kevin, you can apologise to him at the live podcast in a couple of weeks. No, he's not, I guess, does it? Um, <laughs> well, he's not, a patron, he's not a patron either, so he won't get a discount on his ticket. Uh, but JC, you're as big a fan of as Macra as, as, Macra as I am, aren't you? Yeah, I used not to be. I mean, yeah. I, 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 th- I remember walking back from the pub after watching on a dodgy stream um, Swansea versus Palace when we lost, was it 5-4? Mm. And my mate Johnny Scarlett said, you know, the baseline of our squad, of the quality of the squad should be Jimmy Mack. Mm. You know, that that's... And actually, he's... I mean, last season, I don't, didn't think he was all that. The season that's before, he did, you know, he hasn't scored, but... This season, he has definitely, I mean, it's whether or not that's Vieira, maybe it's the style of play, but, you know, maybe he's got slightly younger legs around him, but his energy is insane, right? So it's, you know, is it the twice twice daily training sessions has lifted him up? These all hype, you know, maybe it's all of these things, but you're right. I mean, hopefully, do you Freeman, if he keeps true to form with his recent bout of uh, recruitment, there's going to be a Jimmy Mack, maybe it's Hughes who's going to be taking that, I don't know, but... um the Gallagher situation, I mean, I can imagine next season we hopefully get another Gallagher on loan. You know, I think we're we're allowed to do that. We're entitled to do that. JD, if you're going to edit anything out of this pod, can you edit that bit? You'd say the bit about Doogie Freeman doing a really good job. Oh, right. you take that out. I'm, I'm trying to warm you up for the live, the live podcast. Yeah, considering what you said last year. Um, sorry, Joe. I said, is, it, is it possible Eze goes there? Considering, I think when we signed him, he was spoken about as a number 10 rather than a wide player. Yeah, maybe. Played there a bit at the end of last season, didn't he? Yeah. I can't see him, even when if he's back to full fitness, I can't quite see Eze having that level of energy in his legs, to be to be honest. I mean, it's an interesting one. I mean, the ideal scenario is that he loves it so much here that we and we yeah. he's our big signing. Because that's the other thing about him. He... he well, they all do at the moment as well, but he clearly looks like he loves playing at Palace. He loves, he looks like he enjoys being the centre of attention. And again, like Joe said, he's got that, 
he's got that decision to make himself, isn't he, at the end of his contract with us, however long that lasts. Because, you know, some people just want to play football. They don't want to be a substitute. They want to play football. And he looks like the sort of guy, he knows he's going to start every game for us. Yeah. He's, you know, he's, 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 he's yeah. absolutely, and he's a, he's a, he's a big fish. And from what I hear, he's, he's a, you know, he's noisy in training as well. So he clearly likes that. And I think maybe that's the same with Mac as well. Cause I, I think I, I, I gather that Mac is taking quite a, a responsible role in, in training as well. So and we saw last season, which we, and we could hear it last season, he was talking all the way through. Even when he was on the bench, he was shouting and chatting. So maybe, maybe they've given him that little bit more responsibility, or maybe you know, treating him like a grown-up. Who knows? But whatever the reason is, he's he's having a brilliant season. Absolutely. Um, in classic FYP fashion, for a question special, we have to wrap up the questions after two questions. Um, because I've just seen the time, and we do need to get in the athletic part. So after the break, an article from the athletic. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the Five Plan Podcast. Hey! We're supported this week by The Athletic, bringing you every football story that matters. The Athletic is home to the best collection of football reporters, storytellers, and analysis in the world. From breaking club news um, to excellent interviews, uh, brilliant features, tactical analysis, The Athletic is football news you can trust and football writing you can feel. Get all access to exclusive stories ad-free. And if you go to theathletic.com slash FYP, that's theathletic.com slash FYP for 50% off your annual subscription to The Athletic. That's 30 quid a year for sports journalism that brings you closer to the action. This week's article is about Josh Harris, uh, a rare interview from the Palace uh, co-investor. Uh, the article's called Palace from the Right Side of History and we're on the rise. Josh Harris on Vieira Community and the club's future. And here's a little uh, clip from this uh, feature written by Matt Woosnam. Harris spoke seemingly with pride of the work he and others have done during the coronavirus crisis to invest uh, crisis to invest in vaccines to work on technology that helped produce those vaccines and in purchasing protective equipment throughout the pandemic. It made me realise three things, he said. South London, Newark, Philadelphia. These cities 
went through terrible times, but we were part of the community, he says, of, of what prompted them to step up, in quote marks, and involve themselves in trying to help. Uh, Kevin, the article goes on, actually, uh, a, a lot of talk from Harris, particularly around sort of community, and that seems to be a reason that he got involved. It's very interesting hearing him talk about the three cities there that he has invested in, in terms of the sports teams. Um, and it's just interesting hearing him talk in general, because I know, you know, we said on the podcast before, we're sort of lamenting the fact we haven't heard much from him and David Blitzer, but it was very interesting. And when you tie it into, obviously, we talked about John Texter at the top and him mm. donating to us. We're starting to get a bigger picture now of these investors, and it seems that community uh, seems to be a big part of that. I'm intrigued by the timing of this interview, to be honest, because we have said time and time again that we don't hear from them. And you start to worry when you don't hear from people who are major investors in your club. You wonder whether they've lost interest. You wonder whether they had any interest in the first place. You wonder whether they're about to pull out. So you want to hear from them and you want to hear that they share your values. I, I, I'm interested. I'd, I'd like to ask John his opinion on this because John is an expert in the the language of management. John's an expert in advising people, owners, investors, that the right thing to say to consumers, to customers, if you like. So I, I'm intrigued by the time. It, I mean, is, is this, John, the sort of thing you would advise somebody to be doing all the time or far more than he does? Because it, it does make you wonder why. Maybe text. Maybe it's because of text or stepping up. I don't know. But I'm just intrigued by, I, particularly his appeal, as J, uh, JD said, to the kind of working class fan base as well, talking about blue collar fans. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've got a bit of a kind of hypothesis that I'm not saying is, is fact at all. What is fact? A couple of seasons ago, you know, I think Josh Harris wanted out, you know, so there was active looking to sell um, where I think Blitzer was more keen to stay. And we know, I think Blitzer's bought a Spanish club or invested in a Spanish club, et cetera, et cetera. So, Harris wanted out. There's been a big change to Harris in the last few months. So he was one of, I think, three co-founders of Apollo, which are probably the US's most successful kind of investors. Um, and they uh they are extremely successful um in, in in what they do. One of the founders then, and this is not secret, this is in the press, so I'm I'm hoping to say this right, had associations with Epstein. And um, there was issues around loans that he got from Epstein and whether or not it also went into a friendship as well. We're not sure. It was Josh Harris that instigated the investigation because realizing, you know, there's the value system of what Apollo stands for. Secondly, you know, we've got to invest, you know, we're, we're investing big money, which includes, you know, insurance for you know, thousands of Americans, we we can't have this as a bad thing. So they hired a New York uh, law firm that came in and did an internal thing. The, the end game was that this co-founder decided that he would be stepping down from his role in a few weeks or few months time later, which I think, I think Josh Harris wasn't too happy about. Um, the other then founder has taken on that, that lead role and not Harris. And I think bets were down that it probably would be Harris that would have taken, taken over. So it means now Harris is stepping uh, has a more of a backseat with Apollo, still has, you know, a role there. And he's, I think, now looking at his sports investments. So that goes on to Harris Blitzer Sports Entertainment Company. So that's the two of them coming together. They've got the 76ers, NBA. They've got the New Jersey Devils, NHL. But below that, then, they've got P um, 
teams like Delaware Bluecoats, which are in the NBA G League, mm. right? That's that's the kind of feeder. They've got the Bingham Devils, who are the AHL, which again are is a, the, the leagues below the NHL, but they'll be feeding young players into the NHL. So there's a good investment there. They've got real estate, massive venues for concerts, for sports events. They've got the 76s Gaming Club, eSports, which is Blitz's some of his expertise they've got the 76ers innovation club i think two years ago we would have seen crystal palace as a logo on there but they're not there palace isn't there anymore which makes sense because it's very much america-centric uh kind of focus now you go onto the website which is really interesting that all they do it wax you straight away with community okay using sport and then you kind of think okay this is kind of usual business bullshit and stuff you then go further and further and further down what is actually our business model our, and 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 then it starts talking about we're going to combat systemic racism and you're going what this is it this is like gloves off right this is you know going for it they're investing 10 million dollars over 5 years into into the looking at equality but also for the 20 million i think dollars into systemic racism and promoting black owned businesses so now this is kind of radical all of a sudden. These are billionaires, you know, New York guys coming in saying, you know, this is ready. If we're going to talk about community, we might as well put it where it is. And the fact that they are focusing on one of the biggest cancers in the US, which is racism, as it's, you know, they're almost coming across now as being woke, you know, is that that's the, and it's, the further you go down into the website, you realize actually there, there's some, there's some real backbone here, you know, so I can understand why Palace isn't visible there because it's not america there's a different cultural thing there but and then they can probably look and see the palace foundation and things like that but they're doing some really radical stuff in a business structure they're making money right but they're they're feeding some of that investment in it so that's why i think we're hearing him speak right that because is- he he no longer has to now he can step up his focus is a lot on sports and now he can cu- come into the fold they're much more entrepreneurial harris's innovation is a key thing it kicks what we're seeing in newcastle out of the water mm. with that type of commitment right so it's actually you make your money through innovation entrepreneurship that can i first yeah. say that is absolutely fascinating i think that's the first time anyone in the fyp podcast has ever done research into anything <laughs> possibly so thank you for that john that's a genuine eye-opener but that's, well that's also great insight because i learned more about the Harrison Blitzer then and I've known yeah, since they invested to be perfectly honest and it's also encouraging to hear you say John because I know you would say it that it's more than lip service they're not they're not just putting the, the logos on the front of the screen and saying yeah well that's really encouraging to discover that well can I can yeah. I put a, another clip here from the article to Joe that is similar to that actually that I picked out from Matt's article it says um, if Harris's only interest is financial then it was well disguised here and this article was talking about an interview that Josh Harris did um, last week he portrayed a persona that suggests he cares not only about the investments he makes but also the supporters and the community and here's a quote sport assets are unique he explained you generally lose money but you have to build something unique Joe does it feel like they are doing that here um I think that's to TBC, you know, because of the the silence prior to this, we haven't really known what their aims and objectives were. I think when they, when Harrison and Blitzer first came in, the onus was on, we've reinvented some money for the stadium development. And obviously there's been various obstacles to that, that are probably out of their hands. I'm not going to hold that against them. But, um, you know, what I did like about the whole interview really was, 
yes, it was a business conference last week, and I imagine he knew that there would be questions about Palace, whether or not he was emotionally invested as much as he was previously, possibly. But there's just certain things that was discussed and certain specific references that just seemed to reassure me that that it was beyond lip service. So mm. when, when he spoke about the community and, and the coronavirus actions and investment that that he'd made on equipment, for example, he also made, was keen to reference the fact that Wilford really stepped up during that time. And I don't think there was any real necessity for you to mention that or be told that prior to a conference. You know, I, I think that gave me an idea that he was obviously still having quite an emotional investment in what's going on and how the clubs and the community is reacting to the last 18 months. And um, yeah, if that's, that's the onus that he wants to kick on with, if well, you know, the stadium thing is going to have to sit on the shelf for X amount of time, where else can they help and contribute? Is it now easier for him now that there's a texter and um, forgive me, the name of the South African investor, I believe. And there's mention in this article, Matt Wiesner talks about, some of the people that have bought shares off others and uh, Martin Luer, Martin Long shares have gone. And I think it's a, a much more complex ownership system than we've ever had, but it probably allows Josh Harris to probably come up for air a little bit and, and help to enact some of the visions he might've had six years ago, but didn't expect because of relegation threats or whatever to keep having to throw in. Like I don't, for example, for example, the Allardyce January window where we spent, fortunes i don't think they expected to ever have to do that again yeah. uh so at least just to stay up they would have thought that would be for a european push so now we're kind of probably as a club with, with the squad that we've got and the the money that's been spent and the value of the squad uh, at least on the pitch we're in the same position as we probably were when harris and blitzer first came in in terms of right what can we aim for here we're looking forward instead of back uh again and if that energizes the kind of longer standing ownership i think that's only a good thing mm. it's interesting though as well when 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 textor came in and i keep wanting to say textor it sounds like a, it sounds like it should be textor yeah rather than text, right. but when textor came in it, it they very specifically said that his money was was going on infrastructure they said that he said that i'm buying into this club but that i'm investing in the infrastructure which made me wonder if if that's released Harrison Blitzer's money, you know, if, if it's their money that's paying for players and Textile who's building the new stand, if that ever happens. Because otherwise, John, why would they why would they specify that what the, what is what his investment was for? Which you wouldn't normally do that, would you, when you're buying into a, a club? I, yeah, I I wouldn't know that. I mean I think it's 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 it could be a good kind of marketing ploy, you know, right. kind of calm, calm sweet, but I, I, I wouldn't know exactly why they did that. As right. as Joe said, they did it with Harrison Blitzer coming in, we, you know, about the stadium, et cetera, et cetera, and that hasn't happened. So I think it's, I wouldn't read just too much into right. that. Okay. I, I, I really would. But the other thing about Harrison is also, you know, in, in that interview, I watched the interview in Twickenham and, um, and he, you know, he talked about Croydon as well. And it always kind of makes me feel proud when someone oversees. And I think, you know, that thing around under, and seeing now Newark, and I don't know if anyone, if you've been to Newark and yep. beyond the airport, but it's it's a hard it's a hard city, right? And it has that parallel with Croydon. And he probably gets that and sees that. And, you know, the 76ers and the, and the Devils, they, were, they weren't doing well. And they're still, he isn't still, he still isn't popular with 76 fans, as well, some of them, but they are in such a stronger position as a basketball team and are now competing for the NBA, you know, champion, you know, for the championship. So maybe he sees the time. I think the other thing it's worth saying is that in this relationship with Steve Parrish, 
you know, Steve Parrish has become more of an expert over time, not just learning from them, but just by being involved in, 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 in football, mm. you know, and, 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 and that's something I think that's really positive as well. So it's almost like the three of them are hopefully flourishing together. Well, it's just, it's just very interesting as we've not really heard from him before, to, you know, to get this chance to, to sort of look into how he sees his position and, and plans for the club. So do read that article if you get the chance at The Athletic. Um, and if you go to theathletic.com forward slash FYP, you can get 50% off an annual subscription to The Athletic. Um, right after the break, a super quick preview of the Arsenal game. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the 5 Plan Podcast. Hey. Um, now we do have an actual game coming up obviously international break is a nice chance for us to dip into some subjects we wouldn't normally do which has been great this episode um there is a game arsenal away on monday night premier league loves giving us monday night games um and so we are back at it back at playing football again feels like ages since you last seen palace play um kevin most of the questions regarding that arsenal game are about michael alise who of course had a massive impact off the bench against leicester in our last mm. game tony phillips Hi, tony. and james jeffrey I have both asked pretty much the same question. Should Elise start against Arsenal? I, I think so. But again, whether that's uh, going to be the case, I don't know. That was probably the only thing we've still got left to moan about or talk about is is Jordan Ayew, essentially. And, and Vieira clearly puts a lot of faith and trust in Ayew, keeps talking about him. Uh, so he, he anticipates that he's going to be asked about him, but in, and he talks about his defensive work. Uh, and coming in off the flank to help the midfield and so on and so forth. I I, I don't think he will start, to be perfectly honest. Um, but I, I would prefer him to start. I think that the most difficult thing about Monday night is going to be for take, to take the emotion out of the game because it's going to be one of those rare games where the home fans cheer our manager on as much as we do. Mm. And it's going to be it's going to be a massive night for, for Patrick Vieira. So we have to sort of distance ourselves from that in a way that we failed to do when we were part of the Tottenham new stadium opening night. That clearly got to us. You could see the players getting nervous as all the hoo-ha went on. So I, I would like to see Lisa play. I think he's a brilliant weapon to have off the bench if he doesn't start. But I, I think for me, that's the next 
part of the jigsaw puzzle is to sort out the IU problem and put somebody more dynamic, more able to get us goals. But it's an away game against Arsenal, so I don't think that'll be where he makes his full debut. Having said that, I think Arsenal, and I'm touching wood here, are probably tailor-made for the way we play football. I think in previous years, we know exactly what we would have done away to Arsenal. We would have you know, defended and tried to do you know, I think we'll go for it. I think we'll we'll have a positive approach and I think that will suit us and I, I've you know it's it's for the first time we can say you know, we go there without any fear I think yeah Arsenal Joe have found a bit of form actually recently um, so it won't, won't be as I say as easy as previous years but it, right. it, it certainly won't be we do have a fairly decent record against them actually mm. in, in a lot of draws yeah a lot mm. of draws at the Emirates um, so it will be interesting Vera did say after the Leicester game I was asked about Elise obviously and did say that his introduction to the team or to starting will take time so I think Kevin's right he probably will still go with Ayu uh, for this away game but if it was you would you be giving Elise that, that start? I would, I would. I've, I've fallen into the trap. I think we all have actually that this this Arsenal game feels really, really winnable and everyone's <laughs> really, really confident, you know, sort of making these bold predictions. This will be Arteta's coffin nail, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. But um, I, yeah, I, I agree with Kevin though. I wouldn't, I would be surprised if not delighted if, if Vieira started him. I think we're more likely to see that against Newcastle at home for yeah. a first start, possibly yeah. earmarking for that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think we should go at them a hundred percent. I don't, I don't see why we should change how we play. And ultimately their form has picked up somewhat since the start of the season Arsenal, but the teams they have beaten have not been really Tottenham, Tottenham aside. I think they've beaten Norwich. Burnley. Burnley. And Burnley. And, and Brighton. Tura Brighton. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think, I think this is a time to be brave. Maybe not. I, I think Vieira might, if he gets to the occasion a bit too much, might go very gung ho. Um, but I'm not mad at that particularly. I'm, I'm going to go in there Monday night. I'm quite looking forward to going toe to toe with them. Just because I just, I think there's certain areas of the pitch that you can outrun them. You can uh, just outbattle them. And I, I, that, that's the Arsenal cliches, really, when you when you talk about facing them. But I really, I really believe in how we play and, and the players we've got. And that, isn't that lovely to say? Like, yeah. I, I'm just really, really hopeful for that game. I feel the same way. And JC, I felt the same way at the at the Leicester game. Even at half time, I sort of felt, well, if we're going to lose this, I know we're going to put in a good display second half. And then I almost don't mind. Like, it, I always feel quite relaxed watching Palace at the moment, knowing I'm probably going to be entertained. The fact we've got seven points on the board also gives me that sort of comfort zone as well. So, yeah, maybe, I don't know, JC, maybe Palace should just go for it Monday night. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in agreement both with Joe and, and Kevin and both, I think both opinions are, are totally r- rational. You know, I'm thinking, are you cover for Ward? And then you think, are you up against Turner? You know, will that get us anything? But, you know, I, especially in first halves, I think he can, you know, get fouls, break up the play a bit, that type. I mean, the one thing I was impressed also, though, with Elise when he came on, um, in the second half, I was interested, how, how's he going to cover with Ward? And I thought he looked very competent defensively, mm. which which was, and also, you know, he's had a season plus in, in the championship, which is hard. He didn't look like physically he was out of sorts. So if he did start, Elisa, I still wouldn't be too worried um, about the defensive side of things. 
God, it's a nice position to be in, guys, isn't it? Going mm. into games quite confident. We haven't had this for a long time, but uh, that's lovely. I think that's a nice part to end the pod on. So thank you very much for joining me. We've, we've covered a range of subjects there. It's been really enjoyable talking to you guys, and thank you very much. And, of course, we'll be back next week uh, with another pod. So, Kevin, until then, have a great week. Thank you very much. Uh, JC, good to have you back on. Thank you so much. Top Manor, thank you for your insight into Harris there. It was very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joe, great to see you again. And, um, you know, good luck with any more um, nightclub ventures. <laughs> thank you. I'm doing a longer run-up this time. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting early nights in. Thank you. <laughs> always <laughs> good stuff. And thank you to our listeners. Thank you very much. Um, of course, join our patron for a post-match podcast on Monday night with Adam, Rob, and Chelsea, patreon.com forward slash FIP podcast. And live pod tickets to our live podcast on the 11th of november thursday night 7 30 p.m stretman space project with a mystery palace guest are on sale at eventbrite.co.uk until then enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you again very soon goodbye When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. Podcast Network.